his tools. Thing was, the devil had already found his tools, and it wasn't the boys. I don't know, Harry. There must have been about fifteen of us, Ronnie C-Note said. He let out a long exhalation of smoke toward the ceiling. Ronnie was subdued, somewhat soft-spoken. It was a nightmare. I'm not sure why it's bugging me now after all of this time. They say time heals, but this feels like a scab got ripped off me. See, I got this grandkid, nice kid, but he's doing some of the things I used to do. He's already had a couple of run-ins with the cops, and he's not even 18 yet. Cops today don't put up with the stuff we used to get away with, you know, Harry? I nodded. You afraid he might wind up in a place like Lake Solitude? There can't be places like Lake Solitude anymore. What happened when you were there? Things that shouldn't happen to anyone. Abuse? Ronnie Sino took a long drag and let the smoke out his nose. Yeah, you know, not to me anyway, some of the other guys. He was getting frustrated. Ronnie C-Note kept shooting looks over his shoulder at the rest of his group down at the far end of the bar. No one ever wanted to talk about it, Harry, but you just kind of knew. The boss, that's what Mr. Graham told us to call him, he would have guys hauled out of the bunkhouse, and a few hours later the guy would come back trembling, sobbing. Some of the guys would be bleeding. Why were they bleeding? <sighs> the things the boss did to them. There was a two-story red cinder block house where the staff bunked if they didn't pull dorm duty. We called it the pit because it was a pit of fears we all worried about getting sent to. Ronnie sat up straight and he rose a couple of inches over me. He threw his arms back and out as he arched his back and stretched before settling forward again, with his elbows resting on the bar and his chin resting on his thumbs. Look, Harry, he said. I'm not saying we were a bunch of rough-edged angels like the dead-end kids. We were punks, no doubt about that, but the things they did to us there, they have war crime tribunals for that kind of shit. He'd have us strung up between wooden posts in the basement, arms out like wings, while we got beat with dowel rods. What kind of crap is that, Harry? Sometimes you didn't even know why the boss wanted you. You got the feeling he spent the day up in the tower watching you with his binoculars, like he was picking out a puppy to play with for the night. Ronnie C-Note got quiet again. His body slumped down, leaving us at about the same height. I drank a little of my beer and half-heartedly checked my Kino numbers for winners. Ronnie C-Note tapped his Zippo lighter against the edge of the metal bar. He hummed, and then snapped open and closed the lighter with the ease of a man who's had fifty years to practice this nervous tell. Why are you telling me this, Ronnie? You want me to talk to your grandson, take him with me one night so he can see how people can't get away with anything, no matter how well they plan? Ronnie shook his head. There's something else about Lake Solitude I haven't told you yet. It's not real easy. It's one of those things that have kind of been in the back of my head for a long time. I think seeing my grandson get bailed out the other day triggered it. Triggered what? This one day I was out chopping some white pine down into cords of firewood they sold at a local campground. It was hot out, and I asked the guard if I could go around to the hose and get a drink. He waved me on, too hot for him to even give me a hard time. I got around to the far side of the pit when I heard a scream come from inside. I had the hose in my hand and a mouthful of water when I stand up straight and I look inside the window. I see this kid. We called him Shirley on account he sounded like Shirley Temple when he spoke. He must have been young, younger than my grandkid, to have had a voice like that. 
Anyhow, he was inside standing next to the boss who was standing next to the stove. Shirley was naked down to his white briefs. The boss kept yanking Shirley's hand and sticking it over the blue flame. He must have done this three or four times. Shirley screamed each time, and each time the boss told him not to scream. He told him he would stop burning Shirley's hand if Shirley would just stop screaming, but he didn't or couldn't. Oh, God, I can still hear it. Ronnie opened and closed his Zippo, and it might have been that he wanted the metallic clicking to drown out the screams in his head. He lit another cigarette and exhaled at the ceiling. Then, all of a sudden, I hear this guard, Pilot Goki his name was, behind me asking me what I'm doing. I spit out the water and take a fresh draw on the hose. Then I run the hose over my head and face. Goki ripped the hose out of my hand and dropped it to the ground. I didn't say anything about what I heard or saw. I knew if I did, I might be the boss's puppy that night. The next